listening to the PWBA Podcast, a show about the current superstars and legends of the Professional Women's Bowling Association. Join Bowl TV's Jason Thomas and Aaron Smith as they bring you a collection of stories, history, and the latest happenings from the best women bowlers in the world. Hello, Mr. Smith. Hi, Jason Thomas. How are you doing today? Poor question. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, considering, you know, I just came off of producing, you know, Chad's uh, Sport of Bowling special edition where we announced the cancellation of uh, the remainder of events in 2020. So it was, a, it was um, obviously some, some difficult news to have to give. Uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, I thought Chad did a very good job of laying out all the reasons behind it, uh, you know, talking about why and the importance of, you know, the safety of, you know, the athletes and, and all the members and people who participate in the events, the staff. Um, but, you know, it's not a decision you want to have to, you know, it's not news that you want to have to deliver, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do believe it, it was the right thing. And, and, you know, more and more as we go, it's, it's showing that, you know, this, this is the right, the right thing to do. So unfortunately, Certainly going to change the dynamic for us. Uh, you know, obviously we were looking forward to uh, a few events, especially the Open and the Women's Championships. But uh, those events and those great traditions will continue in 2021. So registration is already open for those events. Um, so the tournament teams will be reaching out to the folks who still had spots in 20. Uh, so we will get you all squared away in the next uh, next day or two. Just give them some time. Obviously, a lot to uh, a lot to process and a lot to go through. Uh, still for those tournaments in 2020, there was definitely still a lot of interest. So as you said, a tough day, uh, a, t- a super tough decision, but appreciate the board, appreciate Chad for, uh, you know, giving us an opportunity this long to have them. Yeah, for sure. And, and also to answer a lot of questions that people had about, you know, the, the cancellations and what impact it's going to have on, you know, everybody. So uh, if, you, if you're interested in checking out that information, uh, it's, it's available currently on the uh, USBC Facebook page and, and the YouTube channel as well. So, um, you know, a lot of things, a lot of questions were answered over there earlier today. Certainly so. Uh, today on the PWBA podcast, we're going to switch gears up. And uh, we kind of talked about it at the end of last show with Stephanie Johnson about how this season was really shaping up to have a phenomenal rookie class, arguably the strongest since uh, the tour relaunched in 2015. And uh, we're actually going to have one of those players on the podcast today, Caitlin Johnson, a two time. NCBCA Most Valuable Player. That's essentially Player of the Year uh, from Weber International. She's also had Junior Team USA success. So uh, let's go ahead, bring her on the show. And hello, Caitlin. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? We're doing okay, as as you probably heard. Yeah, can, all things considered. Um, how are you? I'm doing good. I've been busy. So, uh, you know, bowling a little bit, but still having a life outside of the right now. So trying to keep up with bowling, but what have you been up to since, since the start of, you know, the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so, uh, after we flew to Baltimore and then had to fly back to Florida for sectionals, um, I drove home to Texas the next day and uh, spent a month and a half with family, just hanging out and uh, finishing up the last part of the senior year. We went online full time at Weber. So I spent a lot of time just doing homework and hanging out with family, which was really good considering I don't get to spend much time with them anymore. Um, and, 
And then I started working once Texas started opening up again. Uh, still working at the bowling center in Beaumont and also working at a seafood restaurant in Beaumont as well. So been keeping really busy with those two jobs, working about 60, 70 hours a week every week wow. for wow. the past almost two months now. So, yeah. What about what about the bowling? How, I know uh, you said it, it, it had been several months between you know bowling tournaments for you. So how have you been staying sharp with that part of it? Um, I've actually been working out a lot, um, not really in a gym or anything, because uh, I don't feel like paying for a gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, during quarantine, I was running a lot, uh, doing cross country stuff and just at home, little workouts here and there. And uh, now with work and still trying to keep up with that, um, I've been staying in really good shape. So um, probably the best shape, maybe not strength wise, but as far as like uh, my cardio goes, definitely the best that I've probably ever been. Um, so that's helped bowling a little bit, but haven't spent too much time practicing. I took seven weeks off and, uh, you know, for me, I'm used to practicing six days a week, at least two hours a day, especially at Kegel. And since I've been back, it's like three, four days a week, maybe an hour and a half at the longest uh, of a practice. So, um, I got the bowl tournament Fourth of July weekend, and didn't really feel that sharp. Um, I wasn't quite ready, and you know, going into it, I knew it was going to be a little rocky because um, I knew that I hadn't spent the time that I'm used to spending on practice. So, uh, well, you, you still made some money, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> All right, there we go. Kind of crazy. Um, you know, we had a lot of people fly into Houston for the NDO tournament. Um, Jacob Butcher was my doubles partner on Sunday. Uh, Kyle Troop flew in. Um, Stu Williams was in town. And, of course, we have a lot of talent here in Texas as well. So uh, there were a lot of big-name players that were there. And uh, I got to hang with some of the big boys. So that was pretty cool. I'm kind of curious before – I know Aaron's got a lot of good questions for you on you know your collegiate career and whatnot. But – you talked a little bit about working out and, you know, we had Liz Culkin on the show, um, you know, a while back and she talked about like her first year on tour, she bowled really well, but she kind of got away from all the stuff she was doing in college that were keeping her sharp. You know, the, the workouts, the, the two a day practices, you know, all the tournaments. Um, are you, are you, you know, conscious of trying to stay sharp with all those things and the workouts and things you were doing in college so that you stay sharp for when the tour resumes? Definitely. Um, I actually like mentally am kind of planning on being sharper than I was in college. Like, you know, so busy with the schedule of class and then practice and then being three year captain, you know, I had to take care of a lot of different things. So uh, I was always busy and I don't, I don't feel like I spent enough time on eating right and going to the gym as much as I should have. Um, so that's definitely a priority going forward. And so spending more time on that and focusing more on my health and nutrition versus all the extra stuff um, and still practicing. I mean, obviously practice a lot at Kegel um, as much as I could actually. And even on the bad days, even on the days where you wake up, you don't feel like getting up. It's like, but I have Kegel right down the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so definitely, uh, that's going to be a priority. And uh, I'm hoping I can spend a little bit more time practicing in the next few months. Uh, hopefully getting ready for team trials, if that is still, as of right now. That event has not been canceled. 
Um, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Hopefully yep. So. That's what we're hoping that that would be the, the start of uh, the resumption of events. And that would be awesome way to kick off the new year. Yep. <laughs> Would definitely agree. So, uh, you know, we kind of talked about the the collegiate aspect of it. And here on the podcast, we've had quite a few uh, players who also serve as coaches. And we've kind of talked about their experience, obviously losing the end of the 2020 season, not getting the postseason play. Uh, but we haven't had the chance to talk to a student athlete who went through that. So, Caitlin, uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure a ton of emotions during that time. Um, just what was kind of that, you know, four or five day process ultimately to ITC's being canceled, like for you as a competitor, um, and especially being a senior too. Um, it so whenever we first got the news um, of postponement, not even just cancellation, but just being postponed, um, we were driving to Jersey from Baltimore because we couldn't get a flight to Philly. So we were we were in the middle of our drive and got the email, um, and then I have Don Dell and. Ruben all calling me from the same van. I don't know why they all decided to call me at the same time, but they did. And uh, they're like, Hey, did you get the email? Like we need to turn around, go back to the airport. So that was very chaotic trying to find a flight and get back home, um, which we did. And thank God for our Kegel people who worked really hard. They were on the phone for three hours with Southwest trying to get us home. So mm -hmm. uh, they did awesome. And so we we all just kind of were, and not really in shock, kind of expected it with NBA canceling the day before and NCAA postponing the day before. And uh, so wasn't really in shock, but definitely had no clue what was coming up next. I uh, just kind of playing it by ear. So, uh, so whenever I got back to Texas the next day, you know, it was, um, it was nice to take a couple days off. Um, I kind of felt like I was starting to burn out a little bit uh, more mentally than physically. Um, I had a little bit of wrist pain at the time, but nothing too crazy. Uh, but I felt mentally tired. You know, I, I was already thinking about, okay, the next month after sectionals, hopefully getting ready for nationals if we made it. And then um, the next week I'm in Spokane, Washington. So I was already, you know, planning on doing a fit change as soon as I got back from sectionals, working on a bunch of different things right before the tour started. And, um, I just didn't feel like I was ready. So, you know, I kind of felt a little bit of relief in having a break. You know, I, obviously the break was a lot longer than expected. <laughs> than you hoped, yeah. But, um, but I would have liked the postponement, but, you know, things work out the way they did. But uh, once we got the cancellation notice, it was, that was whenever the heartbreak hit. You know, it went from relief to my senior year's over with collegiate careers over with and there's nothing we can do about it um obviously weber didn't get or the weber women's team did not get a ring during my four years so you know i, I felt like we were really getting the team together and we had a good chance of running it over at sectionals and nationals um we felt really good going into sectionals and our team was pretty solid and we got along really well so it felt like okay this could be it and you know, um, it was nice to leave on that note, you know, and nothing bad happened after that. It was nice to finish the the season the way we did. We bowled well at Hoosier. Um, I bowled well at Hoosier individually as well. So it was nice to end on that, but it was definitely heartbreaking not to be able to see where we were going to go because we felt like we were, we had a good chance. 
That's definitely an uh, interesting and, you know, uh, you know, kind of refreshing way to look at it is, you know, looking at the positives from it, obviously uh, no one wanted it to happen. It sucks plainly, but, um, but I, I like the, the team aspect of it. And you kind of went through a few different transitions during your time at Weber. Uh, I believe your freshman year uh, was when this team made the ITC finals uh, against McKendry. And then the team kind of had to fight to find a new identity, new identity the next two years. I know you guys missed uh, in 2018, making it out of sectionals, but, you know, kind of having to grow and go through those different phases as a player, uh, how much did that help you? Just, you mentioned being a captain for three years, uh, you know, going through those different types of uh, moments with the team, just how did that help you grow as a player and as a leader too? So one thing that I you know, have even told the team the past couple of years, you know, we get new we've gotten a lot of new girls the past two years. Um, but I've, I've explained each one of my years at Weber has like a different motto to it. And um, my freshman year was just me finding myself as a person and as a player, um, especially off the lanes. Um, so really developing myself was just, that was my freshman year. And then sophomore year, it was more of, okay, how can I be a leader to guide we only had six girls on the team. So, you know, how, how can we make these, this six work? Because we had the skills and we were developing them. Obviously we have the best coaches in the world. So mm-hmm. we, can, we can kind of work some magic at Kegel. And um, we had the opportunity to, and just fell short. Uh, I believe it was 53 pins fell short. Um, and it's, literally boils down to a couple bad games during the 64 games that you bowl at sectionals. So it's kind of crazy how that worked out. Um, and then that kind of just fueled the fire for junior year, which was we had five returners and nine newbies my junior year at the beginning of the year. So it was, uh, that was definitely a transition. I spent that entire summer going from sophomore year to junior year planning on okay, how can we really set the Weber way into these ladies first? Like immediately whenever they walk through the doors, we already are showing them the culture. They're already working hard and pushing to be better for the whole season um, and not having to do the transition. Try to cut the transition as short as possible to get to the best potential we could be whenever we get to March. Um, And then senior year was really awesome because we had a lot of returners. So it's like, okay, you guys have already had a year under your belt. You know, I've been here four years. I had some PWBA experience at this time, Junior Team USA by this point. Um, so I had bowled a lot of different events on top of, you know, having three years of collegiate experience as well. So um, so myself and another senior, Lauren Snipes, uh, we kind of just led the pack as far as, hey, we know what's going on. We can guide you guys through it. But at least you have the experience and you know what to expect out of practices, tournaments, travel, um, and even workouts, like all the above. So um, so senior year was really cool because it was more of a transition of getting each player closer to their goals as a bowler and as a person. Um, we, we've developed, we developed greatly. I mean, there was so much improvement in the six, seven months that we were at school. And that's why we felt as good as we felt. Um, we had a couple players that were just 
incredible transformations, not just as bowlers, but as people. So mm -hmm. they really kind of broke out of their shell and really started becoming team players and focusing on the bigger picture, the Weber way, as we like to call it. So um, it was it was really awesome getting to see that transition, um, especially two years prior. We didn't even have a team. We had six players. We didn't have a full roster. So that transition between each year was really incredible, actually. Uh, kind of looking back on it, it's like, okay, that's developing the team um on my side of it you know i had experience going into college you know a lot of tournament experience from youth bowling nationally bowled junior gold many many times team masters a few times i'd bowled team trials a few times before going to college so i had tournament experience going into school and i was really able to build that and help develop the teams throughout the years um and hopefully get to help them a little bit next year as well yeah, I, I, was, I was curious about, you know, next or this year was supposed to be like a very, I know you said you were kind of relieved when everything got postponed because it was so much going on, mm -hmm. but you, it was, it was going to be a really awesome year for you. I mean, you were going to graduate, right? Uh, you were going to then get to go out on the PWBA tour, uh, you know, for the first time, you know, on a, as on a regular basis. So I, what was the most I guess, disappointing part about, you know, what you weren't able to get to do uh, this year? Um, well, definitely. So I was actually going to skip graduation to go to Spokane, Washington for the PWBA stop. Um, that was technically my graduation weekend, but walking across the stage kind of didn't mean anything to me. It was uh, traveling meant a lot more. So I didn't really care about that. Um, so that was, Having to cancel flights and hotels and stuff, that's, that was very heartbreaking. It was, uh, <laughs> I was very upset about that one. But uh, I guess that would probably be the most disappointing part, was just you know having to cancel plans and say, well, I was supposed to do this this weekend, and I was supposed to do that, and you know, none of it got to work out. Um, even now, I mean, Governor Abbott went on – television today and we were scared that we were going to shut down bowling centers and uh, restaurants. So I thought I was going to be able to work also wouldn't be able to bowl a tournament this weekend. So uh, even right now it's still kind of like, do I get to make plans? Yeah. Can't swing things still. I was supposed to bowl last Saturday. I took off work so I could go bowling and they canceled the tournament last minute. Understandable, yeah. But you know, it's, it sucks whenever you're making plans and you're trying to, you know, start a life i mean i just graduated college so I'm right. the next step and the next step is being put on hold so right 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 yeah it's got to be frustrating i mean i can't imagine you know what it, it you know what it would be like if, if somebody were in your position so yeah it's interesting to hear your perspective on that for sure yeah now caitlin you, you mentioned the weber way a few times um not too long ago, and having been at enough collegiate events, I've heard Weberway said many, many times by parents, by athletes in the chat, everywhere. Can you define what the Weberway is for us? Yes. So we actually do have a definition. Um, just to like put it into words, um, it's more of a, a feeling, more of a companionship than anything. Um, but to put it into words, uh, there's actually four different aspects to it now. There used to be only three, and once we reached our second decade of having the Weber program, we created a fourth 
Um, so there's patient and present, which just basically means trust the process. I mean, it's all part of the process, but it's stay patient, keep working hard, um, and stay present, stay in the moment, focus on what's important now, um, which is kind of a Dr. Dean thing as well. Um, striving for excellence, that, that part uh, kind of explains itself, I guess. You just try to be the best you you can be day in, day out, on the lanes, off the lanes, in the classroom, whatever it is. Um, so that's definitely important. Um, being coachable, which is a huge thing if you're going to go to Weber and you're going to go to Kegel every day and you have the best coach <laughs> in the world, you better be able to take instruction and <laughs> be able to do something with it. So uh, that one is probably one of our most important ones. Um, and then the fourth one that we added, uh, I believe it was my junior year, whenever we added that one, it's a uh, team first attitude, which again, kind of explains itself. Um, you better be focused on being a part of the team and, you know, if making decisions, whether you're at home or whatever it is, you're, we focus on decisions being made. Will it better the team or will it hurt the team? You know? So do we go out to the bar and have too many drinks? No, you don't. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the team first attitude. And that was one of the examples that we actually used a lot was, um, you know, did, on your off time, whenever you're not wearing a Weber shirt, you're still wearing a Weber shirt. You know, you still have the W on your chest or Weber on your back. So um, no matter what, you still have to focus on team first attitude. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious nice. about, uh, I know, you know, obviously Dell and, and Randy and, and all the, the great people at, at uh, Kegel, you're, you get to be around them every day, which I'm sure is fantastic. But you also have the legacy of the program and some of the past great players who have come out of it. How much have, you know, players like Daria and Diana and, <clears throat> and uh, Verity and even some of the, the male players like Andrew and, uh, you know, Matt, who you got to bowl quite a bit with, um, how much how much influence do those players have on you as, as a Weber uh, person? Um, they've actually had a lot. So I've been training at Kegel since I was 13 years old. So I I knew Marcelo. I had met him my first time at Kegel. Um, Diana was there at the same time. Um, they were actually a couple of the first people I ever met there. Um, John, John Trzynski was another one as well. So um, they're great players, obviously. Uh, Andrew is another one that still hangs around and still helps the team out a little bit. So that's pretty cool. And he was part of the first team back in uh, 2010. So, but uh, those players have had huge impacts. They've been able to give insight from you know, the previous teams uh, going forward. And one of my, my biggest idols from Weber would be Diana and always really has been. I, my game was compared to her a lot whenever I was younger the coaches said that we had a lot in common as far as our games went. And um, so I've always looked up to her and uh, obviously she was a great collegiate player winning ISCs and ITC. So that was really awesome. And NAIs whenever we were still bowling that tournament. Um, Do you guys ever talk about rooming together or anything on, on tour? So we actually last, last summer at Queens, we all stayed together. It was a, it was a house of, me, Katie Thornton, um, Verity Crawley, Diana, Daria, uh, we all stayed together during the week of Queens. Um, Tawny Vollmer also stayed with us whenever she was there for the 
uh, whenever we were bowling nationals. So uh, it was really cool because it was like a Weber house. Uh, like you had, you had the Weber alum and then me who still technically was there at the time. So uh, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it could be a, a good PBA league team as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's very> interesting. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah also to talk to them about previous teams and then working forward. Um, and then, you know, they were asking like, okay, so what do you guys do? Or like, how is the team now? And, you know, still trying to keep up. And they also come to Kegel and help out the team sometimes, you know, they come to train and then the coaches are like, Hey, can you give team some advice? So it's, it's really cool having the alum still in the bowling world and still get to talk to them. I know I talk to Marcelo fairly often, uh, just checking in and seeing how things are going. So. Now I was going to save this for a later portion of the broadcast, but since you brought it up and talking about being, you know, young kid, 13, 14 years old, going to Kegel for the first time and your game being compared to Diana's. And I'm like, huh, where do I remember seeing Caitlin bowl the first time? And ironically enough, it's here in Texas, not too far away at Plano Super Bowl uh, at the ninth annual Chris Barnes Thanksgiving Classic on Bowl TV. Oh. <laughs> and there we are. And you have a clip. And we got a clip. So awesome. You can hear Matt Canizaro and Chris Barnes. In the games where she struggled and made something out of nothing a couple of times. It's there so you go. When you, the momentum goes the other way and you have the lead and you start. Nice. What, assess your game uh, at, at, at that time. What, what I, whenever I look at like my past work, I always cringe. Um, literally <laughs> so I actually, the other day I was going through my Instagram and I found a video from even sophomore year of college. And I was like, Oh my God, who <laughs> like that? Why, why were, why was I allowed to travel? I don't understand. <laughs> so a video from, uh, what year was that? Uh, 13, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. It wasn't very pretty. I struck, and I still have strikes that look exactly like that. So. Hey, they all fall down. That's all that matters. But um, yeah, that ooh, that was definitely cringeworthy. <laughs> but, I, I couldn't find the exact results, but based off of what we were saying, you won by like eight thousand pins, so it was all good. So yeah, I, I don't remember it's not how it's how many, right? Um, but I, I do remember that I did bowl well that week. Um, and then I remember I had to take a couple weeks off after that because I ended up popping something in my hip. For I remember my hip was hurting for some reason, and I was icing my hip in between shots during that whole tournament weekend. So, uh, but were some of the changes you've made since to uh, avoid? <laughs> um, well, that problem. One, I'm not moving so much while releasing the ball. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I moved zip codes whenever I threw the ball back. <laughs> But and my swing is significantly straighter. It's still not dead straight, but it's definitely straighter than that huge figure eight. <laughs> uh, I had one question. Um, you know, when you were making a run at the U.S. Women's Open, that was you know I'd seen you bowl a few times before, but um, that was kind of like the first time I'd really seen you bowl on that level, right? And you were you were, I mean, we were pretty sure you were going to make the show, Tanil and I. Um, but we were very concerned that you were going to have a lot of um, 
shot clock finds uh, when you were on TV. <laughs> so talk a little bit That's about your, your pre-shot pre <laughs> routine and what, where that came from and what you're trying to do with that. Um, so the pre-shot routine where I actually kind of like practice my release um, as far as like, you know, go through the sweep. It's kind of like a swing and slide. Um, that mentally resets me. Whenever I feel nervous or I feel like something's a little off in my game, I that's kind of like my reset button. Um, so before, and you know, I've kind of gotten rid of that a little bit uh, just to save time. <laughs> um, but before, I did that a lot just to calm the nerves and to make myself feel like, okay, you know what you're doing. This is where you're going to end up. Now go do it. So. Now I kind of stick to more of like wiping off my shoes about 20 times before I go on the approach. Um, it's not, <laughs> sometimes it seems to be a little bit too much. Um, and I also have very sweaty hands. So, you know, I always have a rosin bag with me and before I didn't have one of the puff balls. I just had a regular little rosin bag. And uh, so that took up a lot of time as well. So I, I cut down, I got a puff ball. Cut down on the time with that as well. Um, so now I don't think I would have a shot caught. Shot That's good. That's good. We were like, try, we were really worried about like how you're going to pay for all the fines on TV because yeah, they, they rack up. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even for the week, definitely. Yeah, Hopefully. struggling college student. You know, even even though you would have made a lot of money by making the show, we didn't want you to have to give it all back. <laughs> right. That was definitely something that I had to cut down on. Um, but I already had been on TV once prior to that. So uh, actually twice because that was after Junior Gold. As yeah. Well. yeah. So, did you, did, was it different when you were on TV? Did you try to speed it up or? Uh, a little bit. I tried. Um, I definitely tried to do half of that before I would go up. Um, I wouldn't do the swing and slide drill or anything like that. I would just go up and just try to make sure my hands as dry as possible. But we all know it's really hot under the TV lights. So. It, it definitely is. I have, I have a funny story about that. There's a bowler uh, by the name of Barry Asher, a very famous uh, bowler from the 60s and 70s. It's in the PBA Hall of Fame. Um, and he, he told me a story about he has a really hard time getting started once he's on the approach. He'll actually like rock back and forth and put his thumb in and out and and somebody actually has to, on his team, push him to get him to, to, to start. And I asked him, well, why do you do that? And he said, um, he said I, I wanted to win the Tournament of Champions. That was like the biggest event on tour. Um, I, I made the show a couple of times and never won. He said, one year I led it, had a chance to win, and I left a solid eight, which ended up costing me. It wasn't like a Randy Peterson solid eight, but it was a solid eight at some point in the match, and it cost him the title. And he said what happened was when he would get on the approach um, before that, he would get a feel in his hand and then that would trigger him to go. And what happened was every time he'd get that feel, he would see the solid eight and it would make him reset. And so he just couldn't get out of that, you know, OCD pattern, which was very, you know, it doesn't sound like you're that messed up, but uh, <laughs> I just thought it was a, a, an interesting story that you appreciate. Yeah, Definitely not that bad because once I get on the approach, it's all kind of neutral. Uh, it's just getting to the approach part has uh, has always taken me a little bit. But um, and plus, I, you know, it, we've always uh, at Kegel and with Dr. Dean always preach 
that pre-shot routine is important. So I took that to a whole new level. So see, we care. We care about you. See the, the, the comments on the screen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Neil. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, you know, obviously this year would have been, and and we'll talk a little bit about that run in 2017 a little bit later in the show. But uh, you know, obviously this was going to be your rookie season. Uh, you mentioned having previous previous experience bowling events, bowling Queens, bowling U.S. Women's Open. Uh, you know, going in as a full-time pro, what were kind of, you know, what were the things you wanted to, A, kind of prove, and what did you think were going to be the biggest challenges for you uh, as essentially a, a new player out there? I felt like one of the biggest challenges would be um, managing transition during 16 games. Um, not, no one's used to seeing that. There's no other no other tournament series or tournaments that has that kind of uh, that kind of setup, that kind of format. So it's ve- that was definitely something that I felt like I was going to struggle with, um, and I was trying to prepare myself for that going into it. Um, you know, being a little bit better with transition, being better with you know bowling that many games in a day. Um, I, my practice sessions got significantly longer before sectionals. Um, I would, I had. Uh, I didn't have a single day off of classes, but on the days that I had like morning class and I could go into Kegel early, I'd be in at Kegel at like 11 and then we would get done with practice about 7.30. So I'd be practicing a majority of that time, just trying to get used to a very long day. And plus practices, you're going a lot faster than you would in the tournament anyway. So um, that was something I was doing to prepare for that, but I still felt like I wasn't going to really understand what it would be like until I got out there. And that's why I booked the flight to go to Spokane and skip graduation so that I could do that. Um, I could actually get that experience a little bit earlier than some other collegiate students going into the season. Um, So that was something that I really felt that I needed, um, needed experience of, because I haven't bowled an actual, like like, uh, a normal P. PWBA event. I've only bowled Queens and US Open. So I don't have that experience of eight games, eight games, next day, eight more games. So um, it felt like that was something that I might struggle with. Now, granted, making match play at the Women's US Open is a very long format. Um, a few games. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's not designed to be an easy uh, tournament for anybody. No, no. <laughs> very exhausting. Yeah. Um, Last year, I didn't make match play, um, but even just making cashier's round, it's like it's still a long. Yeah, week. 32 games. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, in such a short amount of time. So it just it feels like a lot. So, um, yeah, that, some, that was actually something I was looking forward to as well. I mean, granted, I felt like I would struggle with it a little bit. Um, it would take me a while to get used to it if I did get used to it. Um, but I also was looking forward to the challenge of it. Yeah. One of the most interesting insights I've ever heard about, you know, what makes a successful player on tour uh, was from Mark Baker. And what he basically said was in order to be successful, you either have to be unique or you have to be, you know, an incredibly great shot maker. And so I'm kind of wondering, how do you you see yourself? I mean, you've obviously had a lot of success. You've won a lot of things. So you, you, you must be one or the other probably. Right. 
do you win a lot because you have you do something that nobody else is able to do, or are you just a really great shot maker? Um, I feel like I'm not really unique at all. I don't I don't feel like my game does. I have one thing that not anybody else can do. But I think something that sets me apart from some others might be that I can do a lot of different things. I can I'm very versatile. I can play any part of the lane. Um, obviously I have some areas that I'm stronger in like playing right is I'm significantly better at that than I am moving left and I can stay right longer than most people can. Um, I can stay in a heavier ball longer than most people can. So um, those are things that I do a little bit different, but I feel like I can kind of go all over the place and I have a few tricks up the sleeve that allow me to maybe not be the best, but I can grind and stay near the top longer. Than Until it gets to what you like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, who were some of the players you, uh, you looked up to growing up? Kelly Kulik and Liz Johnson. Um, mainly Kelly Kulik. I've always looked up to I'm, ever since 2010, whenever she won COCs. Um, that was, I mean, before that, but that was kind of like set in stone, like, all right, this is, that's my idol right there. And, uh, having her as a coach with junior team USA was incredible. We got to have, uh, a lot of conversations and getting to work with her at worlds in 2018 was really awesome. Kind of spoke on the same level, um, understood each other very well. So it was really, really cool getting to work with my childhood hero, basically, and, getting to work with her on the lanes and getting to bowl with her at tournaments. Um, first time I ever bowled her in match play was at the women's U S open in hmm. Plano in 2017. So that was really, really awesome. I remember before that, before that game specifically, I was shaking. Um, and then I bowled Liz Johnson also, uh, cause she had also made, well, she won, didn't she? That year? No, mm-hmm. she didn't. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she, I mean, pretty that much she wins every year, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, was bowling, she was bowling really, really well, and um, I happened to beat her the one game we bowled against each other. So, uh, yeah, I was really proud of that moment. One and no record against Liz Johnson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody that, like, I mean, like, I there, there was a funny story a few years back uh, in golf where there was a guy who made the Ryder Cup team and they asked him about playing with Tiger Woods. And he's like, I've actually never met Tiger. Like they were on the Ryder Cup team and he'd never even met him. He plays on tour with them every week. So he was incredibly intimidated by, by you know, having to play with Tiger. Are, <laughs> but I would imagine there aren't any players on tour that you'd be, you know, extremely intimidated by at this point because you've, you've pretty much bowled with all of them or against all of them, right? I mean, I've bowled against, with, um, beside of crossed with uh, a lot of people that I look up to um, still have a couple that make me nervous. I mean, even <laughs> head to head, um, like Diana's one, she's just an intense player. Yeah. So if we ever got to the point where we, I don't think I've ever bowled her in match play before. Um, actually, I'm pretty sure I haven't. So if we got to that moment. I mean, I feel like I'd have to step up my game a little bit. Um so she's she's one of them. Uh, Maria Rodriguez as well. She's she intimidates me. Um, <laughs> that I get to bowl with in Texas in different tournaments. You know, I yeah. got to see her for my weekend. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I've bowled with her many times, but still, if we ever got in that moment, it would just it'd be a whole different ball game. So uh, there's definitely still people that intimidate me and uh, make me feel like, you know, you, I know what you're capable of whenever it's had to have competitions. So uh, that's definitely. Yeah. It's, it's part of the process. I mean, you know, I think one of the, one of we played last week, the U uh, S women's open in 2015, that of course Liz Johnson won, mm-hmm. uh, but she beat Shannon O'Keefe and then Shannon I think for a long time had this mental block about playing Liz Johnson and then she beat her at the tour championship the next year in this epic roll off. And then after that, you know, it was just like, you can't Shannon just wins every week. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that's just part of the process, right? Just like learning, you know, how to get over the hump against certain players. Um, you know, if you watch The Last Dance, which we like to talk about on this show quite a bit, uh, there was a theme, a recurring theme was, you know, having having to, you know, work hard to beat certain teams in order to get over the hump. And, and so I'm sure you're looking forward to that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you talked about Shannon O'Keefe and uh, at Queens last year, you know, she's the one that knocked me out completely we were both in the losers bracket at this point um actually i believe we both end up losing our first match and um oh, i know for certain i did i did not bowl well <laughs> and so so then when the next couple or few however it worked out and uh the next morning first thing in the morning we bowl each other and um you know i was trying to keep pace there for a while and then she shoots 290 or 280 on me so yeah <laughs> Doing pretty good, but uh, <laughs> not like 700 for the three games. She just happened to shoot almost 800. So Yeah, yeah, those 800s are a little tough to beat. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, going into that, I knew that I had to bowl. I had to make the best shots the entire time. I could not give up any pins. And even whenever I didn't strike, there was no way that I could give up a spare or give up. If I had a split, I couldn't give up any count and hopefully make the split. But there's, you know, that mentality of you have to get every pin that you can get. And I mean, it's that way, no matter who you're bowling against, but then you really feel it whenever you know you're bowling people that aren't going to give up anything yeah. They're going to do whatever they can to just beat you or yeah. Bowl 300 every single game. That's always everyone's goal. That's definitely the mental part of, you know, the advantage that the great players have Mm -hmm. is that, you know, the players they bowl against don't feel like they can make a mistake. Uh, We did get a question in the chat. You know, it was uh, from from Laura Monroe who just asked if you could talk a little bit about your mental game. Like what what are some of the things that you work on, you know, with respect to to your mental game? Um, so I've actually worked with Dr. Dean uh, a lot, I believe 12, 13 times. Um, I think it was 13 times by the time I was done with college, um, which was the week right before sectionals was the last time. And um, I don't know if I'll ever get to work with him again, but worked with him many, many times. And uh, I got to the point where I kind of felt like I could predict what he was going to do until he threw a curveball and did something completely different. <laughs> so uh he helped develop my mental game tremendously from the time that he had me stand on a chair in front of an entire crowd and get over the stage fright fear at 14 years old um, to you know the end of collegiate and just 
trying to learn my place in the team as far as, you know, sometimes I got to be the leader, but sometimes I have to allow other people to lead as well. So um, that was a big thing that we focused on the last session that we had together um, is understanding the team aspect of it. So, but well, you can forget all that, you know, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, except for the team USA stuff. Obviously. Yeah. Well, you want to be a good teammate for that. If, when I make it back on team, we'll see. Um, we'll make it on the adult team, I guess I should say. But uh, as far as like things that I focus on, um, I just try to focus on staying in the moment. That's a huge thing um, that Dr. Dean preaches. And then something that I, I know that sometimes I tend to struggle with because I like to plan. I love to plan. I don't like not knowing what's coming up next. So sometimes I'll catch myself in the second frame planning on, well, if I do this, the next few frames, you know, I, I catch myself doing that sometimes and I have to focus on, okay, the only thing that I can control is just making a good shot and making right. sure that everything from the foul line back is done properly. Whatever happens after that, I just have to adjust off of. So um, that's something that, you know, I catch myself struggling with now, but a lot of people sometimes don't even catch themselves doing it. Sometimes they'll do it and they'll do it for six games and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Did I just pull six games? I don't know what happened. So, uh, so that's uh, a lot of people talk about that on television. Because uh, mm -hmm. they say it goes so fast. Uh, when you've bowled on television, do you kind of feel that, that that's been your experience as well? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I know with the team, it wasn't so much that way uh, whenever we made the ITC show. Because uh, I guess because I had time to think about it in between frames. Um, and Randy is big on having a huddle in between every frame. So we had time to talk about each individual frame and what's going on with each player, what adjustments we're going to make based off each other and stuff like that. So we had the huddle and we were able to talk about stuff like that. Um, Is that was the strategy behind that just to slow things down and make every, make sure everybody's staying in the moment. Mainly stay in the moment and stay within ourselves. Um, not focusing on the other team and focusing on the, the stage aspect of it, more focusing on just the team yeah. and staying, staying together and staying like you said, in the moment, um, that's the main strategy behind that. And he does that every time that they've made TV show, that's been something that he's liked to do. And even sometimes in match play, um, we've done that, you know, if it's a really intense situation and it's a make or break kind of thing, we're going to call a huddle in between frames or at least every five frames. Um, cause that obviously goes a little bit faster than TV does. So, you know, every five frames, it's like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we saw. Let's make an adjustment and then move on. So um, that was a big thing. But then on whenever I made the Junior Gold show, I kind of felt like um, the beginning, I felt like I was in the moment yeah. and there. And then adversity hit, the lane, lane transitioned a little bit, um, and Allie was running away with it. So I felt like the next probably six frames or so just kind of disappeared. Yeah. I don't remember them. I, yeah. I don't actually, if I don't go back and watch the show, I don't know what happened during the show. All I know That's is amazing. I started with the first couple. Like, I, I think I had a double or maybe three in a row the first game. And I really don't remember what happened after that. I mean, it just kind of like disappeared. Um, I know I made a 310 and I was pretty happy about that. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Um, that's that's so interesting. Yeah, um, kind of you know, it, yeah, just the way your brain works. I, I know uh, you know certain drugs will have that effect on your brain of you know making your hippocampus stop working so you can't generate memories. But I, you know, it's just it's talk a little bit about what what's going through your mind when you're on television. You know what 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 do you I mean, it's just such a different environment than, you know, what you're used to bowling the regular part of the tournament, right? Uh, yes, atmosphere-wise, I guess. Um, but as far as bowling, it's still the same. So you, you still have the 60 feet and foul line to head pin in front of you. You still have an oil pattern in front of you. Now, granted, pair to pair, the lane pattern is going to be different. The pair is going to be different, whatever. So it's kind of like I – try to think of it the same way is like, okay, it's a different pair. Typically we haven't bowled on that pair. If this TV pair is kind of on the other side of the house, haven't seen it all week, maybe haven't ever bowled on it before. Um, like whenever we bowled in Cleveland, I had no clue what that pair was going to do. Um, I didn't was know. Was that your first time on television? Uh, Cleveland was second. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, was the, that was the second one. Um, but first singles appearance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, personally so far, um, so hopefully soon, but, um, <laughs> it was kind of, it was really weird. Just, you know, I completely different. It's like a different tournament, I guess. So yeah. go well, into- I, I, from what I've heard, it gets better. Uh, and if you watch that 15 show that we had with Shannon and watch her, how she mm-hmm. was in that show, versus how she is now on the show it's a, she's like a completely different person uh she was you could tell she was nervous she had cotton mouth she was talking to herself um she was doing everything fast uh whereas yeah. now she's just like it's it's just this is just bowling for me now i i'm this is where i'm supposed to be um and she's relaxed and comfortable and uh so good luck when you bowl her for the first time. That I was trying to have, but you know, I've never been in that situation before. So, you know, I, I knew that I needed to think of it like that, but then the nerves set in and uh, easier said than done. Right. Well, most definitely. <laughs> now we've talked about the ITC appearance that was followed by junior gold. And then uh, the U S women's open in 17, all those were kind of jammed into probably a two month window, three month window. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I know uh, we did a story with you on bowl.com during the U S women's open that week too. Uh, just kind of catching up from all that excitement, all that bowling. And obviously you bowled great that week too. Uh, what was it like to just kind of have that much attention just over and over and over again? Uh, being such a young player, you were 17, 18 years old. Uh, what was it like just kind of being put into the spotlight like that? It was it was very interesting, um, especially because I didn't expect any of it. You know, going into that summer, um, I actually was in a boot right before the ITC show. I remember you mentioning that. I had to bring my boot to the ITC, to the show, or bring it to the tournament. Because I was in a lot of pain, my ankle um, was still hurting pretty bad, and I had to have surgery right after Queens, which I missed cut by a pin at Queens that year. So uh, two days later, I had surgery, and then Junior Gold's a month and a half out from that. So I really didn't expect anything. Um, I didn't expect to bowl really well or 
well at all the entire summer. I was just, you know, trying to stay sharp and then get ready for the next collegiate season. And then I just happened to bowl well at junior gold, um, matched up pretty well. Uh, really kind of, I felt like the collegiate fire that kind of got lit my freshman year really carried on to that tournament. And, um, I just, all I wanted to do is win. And, uh, that's kind of what the goal became. Uh, went undefeated in match play and then until the TV show, obviously, uh, <laughs> but undefeated up until that point. And then a week later, we have women's us open and uh i was already exhausted i felt like i was out of tournament mode um taking the time off that i took to recover from surgery and didn't really get a lot of practice in before either of those tournaments so going into the us open didn't really expect anything either but it being four hours down the road and i just wanted to get the experience so it was like okay that's not it'll be a good experience to have and uh then the first day, I, I remember I went about 110 to 120 over and was out of cut by 80 pins day one. And I remember just being so frustrated because I was like, I felt like I bowled well, and then I'm out of cut. So uh, that kind of lit a new fire in the next two days. I don't remember exactly what I shot, but I know I went 200 plus the next two days each day and uh, snuck in the cut and then same thing just kept happening and just kind of happened to find myself during the week. And I forgot that I was tired and I forgot that, you know, I had surgery a month and a half prior to that, but I was just in the moment of all I want to do is win again. So uh, I guess that being like one of the most important summers of my career so far, um, it looking back on it now, it's like, wow, you, you actually did that. Um, in the moment it was like, okay, that I'm here to bowl. I'm here to bowl the best I can. And to, I mean, making the TV show wasn't even on my mind. I didn't even know I was close. And until I went back and looked at the scores later, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, you, were, you were on the show for a lot, a lot of games. Yeah, I had no yeah. clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no clue. Yeah, you, you had a – it's – kind of an interesting point there that you made and, and we had talked about it, you know, before we went on the air, which was, you know, you said you bowled well that first day, but didn't score that well. Um, I, and, and it brought up the, the point that, you know, good bowlers always know when they're bowling well versus scoring well. But um, I, uh, the question would be, would you rather bowl well and not score so well or not bowl well and, and score better than you bowled? See, the perfectionist in me wants to say that I would rather bowl well than score well, but the competitor in me says score means everything. So, especially um, now when you're on the PWBA tour, right? I'm, I'm I'm okay with throwing probably one of the worst shots of my life and still getting a strike, um, <laughs> as long as all ten get knocked down. Um, but I do like. I do focus on making the best shots that I can, but then you also got to remember that I am human and that I'm not going to do that every single time. So uh, getting, being able to have the breaks or, you know, being able to get away with a couple here and there, maybe get a flat 10 instead of a seven ten kind of thing. Um, I definitely would prefer that over <laughs> overthrowing every shot perfect. And then 
leaving a 710, which is probably one of the most heartbreaking things that I think a bowler can go through in competition. <laughs> uh, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. No. Nope. Not fun at all. Yeah. The other thing we talked about related to that was just like sometimes you just don't have it that day. Uh, do you find that you're a player who is, is able to kind of figure things out, at, you know, in the flow of the block and, and, and make adjustments on the fly? I definitely want to say that I am um, just because I do have a good amount of tournament experience. Um, I've got I've bowled a lot of tournaments. I mean, I try to bowl tournaments anytime that I can, uh, whether it's local or, you know, going to USBC events uh, nationally or bowling with Junior Team USA um, internationally. So I definitely would like to say that I do have that ability to just kind of on the fly figure something out in the middle of a block or figure something out in the middle of a game or even the middle of my approach sometimes whenever maybe my first couple steps are off and then it's like, hey, this isn't where you're supposed to be. And then <laughs> making like that foul line correction. Um, I, I feel like I can do that fairly well or at least think my way through things sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes my A game is just the total opposite of what the lanes want that day. Like what I do is just not going to work. So I have to figure something out and I have to do something different. And I think that's where my versatility really comes into play. Um, having those few tricks up the sleeve, like I talked about earlier, I think that definitely helps me uh, to at least stay in it. Maybe not be at the top, but at least stay in the running and maybe make the cut or make match play or whatever it is, depending on the tournament. Right, right. Give yourself some extended play. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Now you mentioned uh, Junior Team USA during that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Kelly coaching in 2018 as well. Um, so, you know, when we kind of look at your progression, Caitlin, I, I kind of see you taking all the right stepping stones, uh, you know, from having youth success, finding coaching, uh, junior gold success, collegiate success, and of course, Junior Team USA success. Uh, what were those two years like for you being part of the team? And uh, you got to take home a few gold medals along the way, too, here at uh, this photo from the World Championships in 18. Uh, just what were those experience, experiences like for you in helping build your game as well? I felt like that was um, definitely something that allowed me to realize that I am a champion. You know, I have that mindset and I do have that ability to win. Um, even though I didn't win a single thing individually, um, I got silver and singles at worlds um and then at pabcon i too it's like i didn't even bowl singles it's like i didn't even show up it just wasn't it wasn't pretty at all um but it still gave me that that confidence um especially in 2018 coming off of just missing nationals with the weber team um not making it through sectionals and then whenever we went to we went to pabcon with uh the, co the collegiate season didn't end very well for us then either. Um, I, I actually, whenever we were at nationals, to lose the game, all I needed was a mark in the 10th, I 4-9. And Ooh. so, you know, to, even though it, you know, it's, you say it's not your fault and, you know, it's this team effort and all this stuff, whenever you're bowling anchor, you feel like it's your fault, regardless of the situation. Um, and, you know, seeing your teammates cry, because they don't get to advance. All I had to do was make a spare and I left a four nine. 
And granted, was it a good shot? Was it a good shot? It was, it was actually the best shot that I had thrown all week off yeah. my hand. Yeah. That's the tough part about that is, you know, the team bowling thing is you don't, you're not throwing a shot every frame, so you can't keep up with the transition. So yeah, it's tough. definitely. That, that was like, that was whenever my confidence was at the utmost lowest I think I've ever had. Um, even in youth bowling, going through high school and stuff, um, moving through college that junior year was definitely the least confident I'd ever been. And it definitely reflected in scores and obviously the way we ended the season. So going to PabCon, um, I actually didn't think I was going to get picked to go to PabCon in 2019. So um, that was, that was really cool that they still picked me. Um, but then we went and we, we started bowling well. Um, I started off the week rough, but then I started bowling well later on. I made adjustments accordingly, um, working with the coaches, working with uh, Andy Dirks was the one that really worked with me a lot that week. And uh, so I, I was able to build the confidence back up. So Junior Team USA has definitely helped me be helped me mentally, but helped me become a really, really good bowler as far as mental game goes. Um, I feel like my mental game is pretty strong. Sometimes I don't physically match up, but I don't get as frustrated or down on myself as much as I used to. Now it's more of, okay, you're Caitlin Johnson, get it together. You know you can do something with this. So um, definitely being in those, those instances, being able to win with the team, come home with medals, um, not only do I get to share that with some of my best friends, you know, we, we get really close during camp, um, which is incredible, but I also get to carry that on and, you know, I've bowled internationally now I've gotten to experience that. So, and not a lot of people get to do that. So it's really, really cool. Um, and I use that to remind myself sometimes whenever things aren't going very well, of like, Hey, you know, you, you can bowl, you know how to do this. Just remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I've been asking this question the last, you know, for the last couple of guests. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, we built the tour so that, you know, it could accommodate a lot of different lifestyles, right? Like, you know, you have the, the players who are out there just hardcore that are full-time pro bowlers. You have some players that are, you know, um, maybe just want to do a couple events a year just to, to try it out and see if they, you know, still have it or, you know, have want to see how they stand against the best in the world. Uh, and then there's just, you know, the local players that, that come out and, you know, want to, want to dip their toe in. Um, a, what, what are you hoping to get out of the tour and what are some of the things that you're looking to accomplish out there? Um, I'm well, goal is rookie of the year. Um, that was definitely the goal going into this year. And that's another reason why I wanted to bowl as early as I could skipping graduation and traveling to Spokane. Um, that was huge goal was just get get the points and make make the match plays um one thing that i found that was really incredible about last season in 2019 was missy parkins didn't win a single event but she was fifth or sixth i think she was fifth in points yeah um and it was solely because she made every single match play the entire season and to me that's just incredible like I understand like you're going to have your good weeks and your bad weeks and sometimes you match up, sometimes you don't, but to be able to be versatile enough 
and stay in the moment the entire season to be able to make every single match play. And that was, that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, to me, that's inspirational. So I would, I would rather be that person that is consistent week to week and making the match plays than be the person that will really, really well one week and then doesn't make cut the next three weeks. And so, plus, I mean, my bank account will probably like that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of motivation as well, I guess. But that's definitely the way, um, the way I was looking at going into the tour um, for next year and the way I was looking into it for going into this year. Um, definitely just staying consistent and being, being the best me that I could be week to week. Uh, whether it's my A game or my B game has to show up or I had to throw my spare ball at the head pin, Wh- whatever made the pins fall down. It's, it's pretty rare that, that, you know, the conditions call for that, but you know, I, I would right. imagine, yeah, you, know, you never know what Nick Hoagland has up his sleeve. Oh, no. <laughs> so some of my favorite Nick's, Nick Hoagland stories, um, the Hoosier every year okay. Okay. <laughs> is, <laughs> always its own beast. It's either you're going to average 160 or you're going to average 220. And, uh, so you know, for for a couple years, um, did did pretty good. My freshman year, I really don't remember how I bought the Hoosier my freshman year. That that one was a blur. Um, I know like that, that junior cold show. <laughs> yeah, right. It disappeared in my brain. Um, I do remember uh, one of my teammates won that year, and uh, we made match play. And Randy said that was the first time the Weber women's team had made match play in like wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, but then sophomore year I bowled well, and then uh, junior year I felt like I couldn't find pocket if I literally only had ten feet of lane. <laughs> <laughs> there was no way I was finding pocket at all, and um, so. Thanks, Nick Hoagland. Um, yeah. I really appreciate your creativity. Yeah, no, he's, he's very creative. Some might even say devious. <laughs> Sometimes. Then other times, like this past year, the scores were so incredibly high that it was like we were almost like we were bowling on a house shot. And it was, that was very interesting. It was uh, like completely different. Nick Hoagland showed up that week. <laughs> Nice. Uh, now, see, <laughs> see, you're you're out of college now, and for all the kids, for the next Hoosier that comes up, Nick's going to remember that comment, and they're going to be impossible. <laughs> he, may, he may name the pattern after you now. <laughs> you will definitely average the 160, like I talked about earlier. It just, it's okay. It, it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's their problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, the Hoosier. Yeah, that is the most interesting tournament I have ever bowled by far. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always fun to hear Nick's enthusiasm coming into the tournament each year about what the patterns are going to do. And then he'll, he'll, he'll like slide a little information like, Oh yeah, you're going to like day two a lot. <laughs> it's be fun for you. I'm like, well, I'm calling it. So I like, at least I don't have to bowl on it, but <laughs> what is this guy up to? But, uh, yes, the Hoosier always, uh, Always definitely one of the one of the big events of the collegiate season. Always fun, uh, and I I feel that your team finished one of the years. You guys were a runner up in the bracket there. I think that was my junior year. Junior year, okay. Yeah, that was uh, 
We bowled. We bowled pretty well. Um, I personally bowled terrible day one. And day two, we get we make it through match play. Um, really, I don't remember exactly how it worked out as far as, like, the lineup goes. I'm pretty sure I was close. I was either four or five hole most of the weekend. Um, but then we get to day two and we get into match play. And um, the only thing that I really remember from that day was uh, we bowled really well. I, but the first game of match play, we – it wasn't pretty. It, we, we were, you know, struggling along, making spares. Um, I 2-8-10 in the fifth frame. And then, you know, we have like three in a row right after that. So they – my team picked me up, made it up for it. Um, believe there was a spare in the ninth frame. And then I Greek church in the 10th and I need four to win by a pin. And I got four on a Greek. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually one of my highlights, like my personal highlights of collegiate career is like, you know, we might've shot 160, but I got four on a Greek church. <laughs> so uh, definitely take that. And then after that happened, we, I don't think we shot a game under 195 until we made it to uh, Bowling St. Francis and just kind of just kind of lost it a little bit. We lost our look. Transition hit us pretty hard. And uh, we went from grinding and, you know, nine spare strike to six, two, and seven mm-hmm. cash. And it's like, ooh, it, it got ugly at that last match. But going into that, I mean, we, we bowled really well that weekend. Good old Nick. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I know you have some work coming up in a, in a little bit, so I, I think we probably need to get you out of here pretty soon. But any uh, any kind of co- closing thoughts, things you're looking forward to uh, before we uh, let you go? Um, I guess as far as like you know, ending the collegiate season the way it ended, as far as you know, not having postseason and stuff. Uh, highlight being IBMA and uh, NCBCA player of the year, MVP, how, whichever way it went, but um, for the second time. And then sweeping awards with Tom, that's, that was pretty cool. Um, I think whenever we looked into it, uh, that had never been done before, at least with both awards from the players from the same school. Um, so that was, that was pretty awesome to end the collegiate career that way. Um, and also I got a few academic awards um, you know, the athletic director, Darren Ritchie and uh, Del Warren, they, and Brandy Soton as well, they allowed me to enter into this COSIDA thing. I really don't remember exactly what it's about, but it's a, it's an academic award for student athletes. Um, and I had to send in my whole resume from all four years about like classes and extracurricular activities and then also bowling as well. So uh, that was really cool begin to end on that note um even with everything that's going on now the uncertainty of what the next steps are what we're doing day to day if bowling centers are going to be open if they're not um so but still having that those moments uh are the collegiate experience really really awesome it's nice um and then kind of what you're looking forward to, you know, once uh, once everybody's able to go back to the way things used to be and you're able to you know, bowl again. 
I'm actually really looking forward to a fit change at this point. Um, you know, I've still, I'm having a little bit of wrist pain. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to competing on a weekly basis again and actually having a reason to go practice instead of just like, okay, yeah, I should probably knock the rust off my shoulders and <laughs> a couple times this week before, you know, it's like, I'm not bowling for a reason right now. Um, you know, and used to bowling and saying, okay, well I have a tournament next weekend and then a tournament after that and a tournament after that. And now it's like, well, I could go bowl this maybe, but it might cancel. So, you know, that I'm definitely looking forward to the certainty of, okay, having a schedule and being able to stick to it and just getting back on the lines and competing again full time. Really missed that. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I, we were trying to wrap up, but I did, that did bring up one more question. Uh, so you talked a little bit about practicing and having a purpose for it. You know, do you, is, and you also talked a lot about, you know, injuries that you've, you've had, you know, over the course of your career is part of, you know, maybe, maybe wanting to take a little time off of practice just so you don't, you know, put any more wear and tear on your body. Yes, uh, definitely. I know my wrist has kept me from a couple practice sessions um, the past few weeks. Um, it really wasn't hurting until I bowled uh, 4th July weekend and, you know, I, I hadn't bowled 13 games in a weekend and forever it felt yeah. like. I mean, it, it really feels like it's been years and it's been five months, but it feels like it's been so long and my body just wasn't ready for that. And there's no amount of exercise that any human can do that will prepare you for a tournament weekend. And there's, yeah. there's no gym that can get you ready for bowling edge. It can get you closer, but bowling's a whole different beast. So, um, so yeah, it, it started hurting again, which was hurting a little bit before sectionals too. And so, you know, some days I'll take off just to kind of rest, relax, um, plus working the 60, 70 hour weeks. I do appreciate sleep sometimes. It doesn't seem like it, but I do. So uh, I've had some days where I'm just like, okay, instead of practicing, I'm going to take a nap before work and, yeah and then today i decided not to practice just i worked this morning and then uh, i knew we had this going on today so figured i'd just well we're glad time. we're glad you, you took the time to hang out with us Very and your nice comments time. your comments about you know bowling you know uh, affecting muscles you didn't know you have it kind of reminds me of a comment in rocky three when uh, apollo's training rocky and he makes him swim as part of his training and he's, he gets out. And he's like, I didn't. Yeah, I'm hurting in places I didn't even know I had. You know, it, it's kind of what bowling is. I, I know. I know Literally personally. Every time I get done bowling, there's <laughs> 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 a muscle there. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Your bowling muscles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's really cool. Like, it, even with um, people that'll come in for open play. You know, they'll bowl, they'll get an hour of bowling, they'll bowl for an hour, and they're like, I don't know how people do this all the time. <laughs> like, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> and I do it all the time. <laughs> but it's like, I totally understand. It's a completely different concept. The body is just not used to doing that at all. So uh, there's definitely a thing, such a thing as uh, being out of tournament shape. I've figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, stay safe. Um, that's, that's mm -hmm. what we're telling everybody. Stay safe. Uh, 
keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you come out on tour and, and seeing how well you can do. Um, you know, you're you know, incredibly talented and smart and, you know, that you'll, you'll be successful. Uh, but we're looking forward to, to watching you compete, you know, here in the, as soon as we can get back to it. Thank you. I can't wait. I'm so excited for it. Um, and hopefully team trials next time we get, yeah. we there all we get come back together and get the bowl of big tournament again. So. Well, we'll, we'll see you there. All righty. Y'all take it easy. Thank yeah, you. Right. you. You too. too. Thanks, Kayla. All right, Mr. Thomas, another good show, another great show. Yeah, yeah, so it was a lot of fun to talk, you know, get a different perspective from, you know, somebody who was going to come out on tour, um, you know, and, and didn't get a chance to do it, but, you know, will, uh, you know, when the tour is able to resume. And, and then also just interesting to hear the perspective, you know, we, I volunteer with my wife at my, my son's high school. And so, um, you know, it was, it was very hard for all those kids who were graduating you know, to have to miss all the things that they were, you know, excited to do, you know, prom and, and, uh, you know, graduation and all the, you know, banquets for any of the extracurricular activities. And so, uh, you know, I know Caitlin, uh, had to, had to have gone through some of that with, you know, graduating college, which was a big time, you know, in, in, in your life. And it's really one of the only parts of college that I even remember at this point, uh, <laughs> my life was the graduation, but, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be awesome to see her. And, uh, you know, we had a really great rookie class that was coming out this year on tour and, and uh, hoping to have some of those players, you know, on the show in the near future to get their perspectives on it as well. Yeah, it's been something where, uh, like we said, towards the top of the show that uh, we, we had heard some of the coaches' perspective, but I had really been hoping to hear a few players. Uh, obviously, we we saw a lot on social media, but getting to talk to someone about the experience and, and just kind of see it from their view is something, you know, totally different than the way we were going through it. So I definitely appreciate that. And as you said, uh, definitely looking forward to seeing Caitlin compete in 2021, hopefully at team trials to kick off 2021 and we can get rid of this 2020 year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just like that movie click with Adam Sandler, just fast forward, you know, your life to, uh, to the good stuff. Right. That's right. But uh, JT, I know you have a show coming up here in just uh, 40 minutes or so. Yeah, so. yeah it's been a busy day uh, producing, you know, the Sport of Bowling show and then this show. Uh, but Tanya Ramamper is going to come on and talk about uh, the, the 2019 U.S. Women's Open, uh, you know, from the losing side. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to that conversation. She had a, such a great week uh, mm -hmm. that week, uh, led the tournament. Uh, threw a great shot when she needed to, got one of the worst breaks, you know, you can imagine, you know, maybe only second to, you know, Randy Peterson's solid eight. And then, you know, her best friend goes up and just, you know, tears her heart out. Uh, so I'm looking forward to just getting her perspective on that, uh, seeing if she's recovered fully from that yet. And, uh, you know, just, just asking her what else she's up to as well. Excellent. That's once again, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 40 minutes from now. Uh, tomorrow inside the OC, Matt Canizaro and I will uh, be chatting with a few few guys who have been around the block once or twice. Uh, Mike Schmid and Jamie Brooks, uh, pretty awesome stories. Mike just hit 100,000 pins in 2019. Uh, Jamie now uh, obviously was looking forward to get to 100,000 this year. He's going to have to wait a few more months. 
2021, but uh, definitely looking forward to talking to those guys. And we got the Phoenix Fury on the PWBA podcast special edition Friday uh, to chat with a few of the team members. So that should be super fun. Uh, so that's what the uh, lineup looks like. But JT, we know you're a busy man. We'll let you get to it. So for Caitlin Johnson, our great guest today, Jason Thomas, I'm Aaron Smith. Thanks again for watching the PWBA podcast on Bowl TV. Have a great day. Stay safe.